Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Good morning everyone. Um, I hope you guys are well and good and you are blessed. Just want to thank you for this opportunity once again, just to come in to speak to family. Okay, so we are no strangers to one another. We are family because we have been birthed into the kingdom of our Father. Amen. Yeah, and um, just a continuation on uh, the book of Romans, and we're going to start from Romans 2 verse 1, and we're going to read until verse 16. But before we go to 2 verse 1 and verse 16, um, this, what I want us to remember, that what Paul is writing here, he's writing a letter to the Romans. So, normally when you see the verses 1 and 2 and all that, that is just for us to follow. Mm. But in the days when they wrote uh, this, uh, uh, when Paul wrote these letters, there were no numbers. Yeah. There was, was just one letter. Yeah. So, with that is that when we, when you receive a letter from someone, you don't just read dear Christo and then you make your own assumption of what the person is going to say mm -hmm. you read it straight through and then sometimes you even go back to get more understanding to get more context of it as well and what is so awesome about this letter we're going to start with a sentence that starts with therefore so now um, Ephesians 2 verse 1 starts with therefore so he's saying therefore so that means that he said something before so when i say uh when i give a sentence to you and i start with therefore then i'm what i'm basically saying in light of what was said before this is what we are going to do now so i want to take us back to uh before we started verse one i want to take us back to romans 1 and verse 18 uh um and jb said this so well he he literally made it a lot easier for me just to prepare this message today. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from the heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in uh, suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has sown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Okay? Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, uh, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened okay so then he lists a, a lot of stuff where he says that they are professing to be wise and then he talks about uh, um he talks about the different uh because they did not uh, accept the truth and they suppressed the truth then they went on into doing different stuff and then then the sin that was basically committed through that so they became evil, they became boasters, they became uh, sexually immoral, they became all these kinds of stuff. And now Romans 2 verse 1 starts with, he says, therefore you are inexcusable. 
meaning he says that I want to take it from verse 18 because that is the context where we are at because even through because even though people did not believe in God but through things that were created they saw the hand of God I was sitting and listening to this message and I thought to myself it's like if I tell this to an atheist now you will probably stone me or throw me with something because how can you say that God does not exist and you see the expression of God wherever you go and it's like what he's saying there the reason why I'm using this as a context because we are going to get to a scripture where it talks about the Gentiles that does not have the law but they obey the law they follow the law even though they don't have the law and what Romans is basically talking about, what Paul wants to express to the people here, he wants to express to the people the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. He wants to preach the gospel. And what is so significant about this, which is quite awesome, Paul uses the Old Testament scriptures 84 times in the books of Romans. 84 times. That just basically shows us that what Paul is writing to the Romans is nothing new. So, uh, J.B. explained last week where you get the Old Testament and the New Testament. In our Bible, it's just a page that divides Old and New. But there is no Old and New Testament. It's actually one testament. It is this new knowledge and new information that we are getting regarding the, the gospel of Jesus. Now, Paul takes us back to the Old where he shows us shadows. It's like... When you uh, put bread on a table and you and, and you put bread crumbs on the floor, he's just showing us the bread crumbs that leads to the bread. Come on. That leads to the physical thing. Yes. You understand? So now he's just showing us, and as you walk, as you walk, you see Jesus in the shadows until you get to the table and then you see the bread. And then you partake of the bread. We don't partake of the shadow, we partake of the substance. Okay? You uh, um, you cannot hug someone's shadow. It's impossible to hug someone's shadow. Because the person is not here. Even though you see the shadow, it's not real. It's just a shadow. It means it's a foretelling of that person is on his way. Until you see that person in front of you, until you uh, 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 hug that person physically, that is the substance. Okay, so what Paul is showing us in this, it's like, He's showing us, uh, it's revealing some shadows, it is revealing a lot of substance as well. But all the shadows and the substance even points to the gospel. It even points to Jesus. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to read until verse 16. So uh, just uh, bear with me. He says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. Um, for in whatever you judge, another you condemn yourself okay now he's talking about we are guilty of what happened here in in in, in romans 1 now he says that we are guilty but now we judge one another now he says that you are inexcusable in that that even though we judge one another you are still guilty so judging another person while you are still doing the same thing does not excuse you from that guilt it just makes you more guilty okay because what Judgment brings, judgment brings condemnation. Okay? So now it says you judge and then you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we 
know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do not think this, O man, uh, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, um, that you will escape the judgment of God. And, and do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance and long-suffering? He says, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance, but in accordance with your hardness and your uh, Im impenitent, yeah, impenitent, this means your heart cannot be penetrated, impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath, and revelation of righteous judgment of God. Okay, so that just basically means because your heart is hard, you're just storing, you're, you are storing wrath up for yourself. So what you are basically doing because you're denying the truth, you're suppressing the truth, you are just making, uh, uh, the, the consequences will just become more evident that this is what is going to happen. So now it just, and this also shows that God's judgment is right. It is it, it, is, it is just. The Bible says that the righteousness and justice is the foundation of His throne. So when God judges us, He judges us through righteousness, meaning through Jesus, and through justice. Okay, so he, he, uh, he's, he's just, He's fair. As JB explained last week, God is fair in His judgment. So, we, so the world cannot say when they do not accept Jesus that God is unfair in His judgment because they, had, they have a lot of opportunity to receive him okay where we in accordance with the hardness of your heart of God who will render to each one according to uh, uh, his deeds eternal life to those who, pace, uh, who by patient continuance in doing good seek glory honor and immortality but those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the jew first and also of the greek but glory honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the jew first and also to the greek for there is no partiality with god for as many as has sinned without the law will perish without the law. And as many have sinned, have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the, in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. Oh, that's a lot. Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. We will read till there. It's, it's going to be exciting when we're going to come to the end there because there's, there's a lot that God is revealing there. Okay, so in verse 1, what we said about that, therefore, it applies the exactness of reasoning, meaning that uh, in verse 2, verse 1, he talks about the reasoning comes from 
uh, um, Romans 1. So it's a letter. So we have to follow the letter completely until the end. Because you don't know what you will get out of it if you don't read it until the end. And sometimes you have to go back to get a lot more context of the letter itself. So what is Paul actually saying? So Paul is talking about those who suppress God by their knowledge of God's existence and those who agree with them. So we talked about last week. They suppress the word of God. They see God in nature in everything that is created. So they believe that there is a God. But what they are doing, they are suppressing their knowledge of knowing that there is a God. So they, what they are doing is they, are, they basically are scratching God out of their hearts. They, they are denying the existence of God. Okay. JB uh, so spoke last week about you are a fool. And the Bible says, I think it's in Psalm 14, where it says that the person who says that there is no God is a fool. He's stupid, basically. So it is stupidity to say that there is no God. Because there is a God. Amen. Okay? And then, John 8, verse uh, 9, uh, um, uh, says that, Then those who heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. So a bit of context to that story is the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And then Jesus came and he wrote on the ground. He stood up again and he said unto the people, all the people that had the rocks in their hand, you who have no sin, cast the first stone. And then he dropped down again. As he dropped down and he wrote on the ground, then one by one they, they, they started disappearing because when Jesus spoke to that, he spoke straight to their hearts. And in their hearts they were condemned because they knew they had sin. And because of that, they left the woman alone. And what is remarkable about that story is that Jesus asked the woman, what happened to those who condemned you? And she said, they are gone. And Jesus said, Need I do not condemn you. So go and sin no more. Amen. So Jesus told her that I'm giving you the power of no condemnation. So now you are free to not sin. Amen. So when we realize that we are no longer under condemnation, but we are under grace, we are under the power of God because we have Christ on the inside of us. And because we are not under condemnation anymore in our hearts, we change, we repent. And because of that repentance, it shows on the outside. So now we don't sin because we don't want to anger God. No, we don't sin because of what Jesus has done. We recognize the gift that has been given to us. Okay. So what we have to understand here, Paul is still talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to us this morning. So I don't want you to feel guilty when there are certain stuff mentioned. But even if there are certain stuff mentioned, don't feel guilty. See Jesus in this and allow him to get you out of that. Okay, allow him to come in and allow the gift of no condemnation to fill your heart so that you can be free to love for him. Okay, so he is talking here to Gentiles and Jews. Because in the day of the Romans, there were Greeks and there were Jews. Okay, Gentile is just basically a guy that's not a Jew. He's not of the circumcision. He wasn't circumcised. He doesn't have the law of Moses, the Torah, the first five books of the, of, of, of the Bible. 
So he doesn't have that. So now in verse 4, Paul talks about, um, Paul talks about here, he says that it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So he talks about the riches, how rich God is in His mercy, how rich He is in His forgiveness. And then we go to Ephesians 1 and verse 7, where it says that in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. That means that God's goodness, God's riches leads us to forgiveness. So because He's rich in grace and He gives us grace for uh, uh, failure and even to the world, He's sowing grace to the world. People are loving still. They haven't accepted Jesus. That is mercy and grace. Amen. So that means that there is an opportunity for them not to tap in but to accept the richness of His grace. So those riches that God is talking about, it is not money. The riches that he's talking about, it is the riches of Christ, the glory of Christ, the riches of forgiveness. Because you can have all the money in the world and not have forgiveness, the forgiveness of God, then you are as poor. You are very poor. So in, 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 in spiritual terms, you absolutely have nothing. We have many examples of this in the Bible when we talk about Lazarus and the rich man. When the rich man lived his life the way he wanted to live it. And when he died, he said to Lazarus, he, um, he, uh, he, he said to, to, while he was in the, uh, um, um, uh, um, in, in, in Seoul, basically, he wasn't in hell, but he was in, in a place that felt like hell. Yeah. So he said, if he can only dip his hand, he just wanted a drop of water yeah. because his soul was dried out because of sin. And Lazarus was in the bosom of Father Abram. And even though the rich man loved rich in the world, he was poor in the sense of eternal life because he didn't have it. So this means that when we have eternal life, we are the richest people in this world. Because we have what the world does not have. We have the riches of Christ, the forgiveness of our sins. Okay? And then it says in, 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 in 2 Peter 3, where it talks about the, the forbearance of God. That's meaning that he's holding himself back. Forbearance means to restrain yourself. Yeah. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness. That basically means that people are waiting for God to come. But God is restraining himself to come because there's still a world that needs to be reached. There's still people that need to receive Jesus. They must still be saved. Amen. And so, yo, is that not awesome? Awesome. That this powerful God, He is he's holding Himself back from coming. Like He's restraining Himself. He's showing self-control in that matter. Yo, if that is not love, I don't know what, what, what love is. I don't know what it is. Because that is love. To me, that is love. But He's long-suffering towards us. So it means He suffers long. He sees the, the indignation. He sees the, 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 the unrighteousness. He sees the evil. He sees everything happening in the world. But he holds himself back. And he suffers long to come. Okay? Why is he doing this? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason why God is holding himself back, it is because he doesn't want the world to perish. But he wants everyone to come to repentance. Okay? Now that is the desire of God. Beautiful. That's not necessary to say it's the will of God. Okay? The desire of God is that everyone must be saved. But we know in reality, not everyone will be saved. 
So God's desire for the world is that the whole world should know Jesus. Amen. That is God's desire. So now it says that. So this shows that God's heart towards the world. He restrains himself because his love for the people in the world. So that they would choose his salvation gift. The Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's a lot of scripture reference there. In Romans 5, it says, While we yet were sinners, God sent Jesus. Yes. It's like, while you still were in sin, God sent Jesus. Hallelujah. It's like, you didn't even know Him, but He was already there. So forgiveness was already there, even before you were born. And while we were still living our life of sin, there was forgiveness. The only thing that we had to do was just to come and receive and accept it. Okay? So now in verse 5, impotent here means being without remorse. That you are not remorseful. Meaning that what you are doing, you don't have remorse. It's like you don't have a conscience. You are doing it just because you want to do it. So there's nothing in you that is telling you that this, what you are doing is wrong. Okay? So there's no remorse to that. So the goodness of God should lead people to remorse and a change of heart and actions. Okay? So now the goodness of God leads to repentance. That repentance doesn't mean is that if you are doing something wrong physically, stop doing that wrong. It means to change your mind, renew your mind, renew your thinking, turn away from, turn your heart away, your unrepentant heart away from sin and turn your heart to Jesus. So now as you turn your heart to Jesus, He comes and He fills it and He renews it and because your heart is full of renewal of jesus now your actions reveal it as well okay so as a man is in his heart so is he so whatever we have on the inside it's a reflection it will come out okay so jesus says it is not what goes inside of a man that makes him unclean but what comes out okay so it means that god wants to change our heart first so when you try to modify your behavior to get into god's good books guess what you're going to end up at the very same place. That is called the 360. God wants us to do a 180. Just turn around. Turn our hearts around. Because the 360 is you're going to do all these changes and then you end up at the same place. Because then you are there again and then you're wondering why is this not working? Because you have become a law unto yourself. Because you think that, okay, I'm smoking. Now I'm going to try not smoking, but I'm going to chew a lot of gum. But I'm swearing on this side and all that kind of stuff. So it gets more and more and more and more. But it's not about the actions. It's the condition of the heart that needs to change. Okay? Amen. Verse 6. The word, uh, the word deeds refers to work. Now that work, remember who Paul is talking to. He's talking to Greek and Jew, Jewish people. For them, they are observing the law. So they are basically in works. They want to do the works of God. They want, they want to obey the Ten Commandments to get God's attention. Okay? It refers to walk, work. So Paul is talking to unbelievers. They believe in the law. So what Paul is doing, Paul is taking the law to them. He's revealing Jesus to them through the law. Okay? That is basically what he does. And then, now uh, uh, the work that God wants the world to do in order to receive Him is this. Uh, book of John 6, 28 and 29. They replied, We want to perform God's works too. 
What should we do? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one He has sent. So, if someone is stuck in the works of the law, in their own doings, in trying to please God, this is what they need to do. They need to believe in the one that God has sent. By faith, we will be justified. Not by our works. Not by what we do, but by what we believe. Okay, so now Paul is giving them the message of Jesus Christ. And through this whole thing, he's explaining to them the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus through the book of the law. And what he wants them to see is that you don't have to work for your salvation. All you need to do is believe that what Jesus has done, and then you can receive the free gift of salvation. Okay, so pleasing God, and the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That faith means like what we believe, your doctrine, without what you believe, it is impossible. It's not saying without works, it is impossible to please God. Okay, but in that way, for us that has received God, we still, through our faith, we do the work of the Lord. Okay. We don't do the work of the Lord to get faith. We do the work of the Lord because we have faith. Okay, we don't do it like I said uh, when I was here the last time. Is that we don't run the race from the starting point, but we are running it from the finish line. We are running uh, from victory to victory. So the race has already been won. So we don't have to do anything to win this race. We just need to walk in that that has already been done for us. Okay, that's why it's important for us as believers to always go back to the finished works of Jesus, to always go back to what he has done. Okay, because otherwise we will revert back into the law, as uh, uh, JB explained last week uh, about the Galatians that went back to the law. Okay, so and then verse 7 says, Eternal uh, eternal life is seeking and uh, knowing Jesus. So now that eternal life. That seeking and knowing Jesus, that glory, that honor is found in the relationship with God. Okay? Relationship with God through receiving Jesus. Okay? So John 17 uh, verse 1, uh, sorry, verse 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you are the only true, supreme, and sovereign God, and in the same manner know Jesus as the Christ whom you have sent that is in the amplified okay so this is eternal life that they may know and then yeah i just read this awesome scripture last night in the book of first john 5 and verse 20. um i want to read it to us because it yeah this just blew my mind totally first john 5 first john 5 and verse 20. first john 5 verse 20 uh, uh um sorry i mean I'm in Revelation here. First okay. on 5 and verse 20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Okay, then it says, An understanding that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. In the in the in the NLT, it says there that Jesus is the eternal life. Amen. 
So what it's saying that is that if we want eternal life, we find it in Jesus. So how do we have eternal life? We have eternal life because we have Jesus. Because Jesus is eternal life. Okay, He is the eternal life. Okay, my sister said that we need to be, uh, uh, we, we do not, we must not be slack in, in going out and telling people about God because the world is not normal. Well, guess what? We are not normal either. We are supernatural Amen. because we have a message that has the ability to change, yes. literally change the world. Amen. Okay, so it's, uh, Jesus is the eternal life. Okay, so it, it is so. So awesome to know that we don't find eternal life in Jesus. We have it because He is that. Okay? In verse 8 and 9, Paul refers to those who don't obey the truth. He's talking about the gospel. The good news about Jesus, His death, burial, and resurrection. So, okay, so the truth there is talking about the gospel. He's not talking about something else. He's not talking about the word per se that is the truth. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the gospel of the good news that needs to be brought to the people. Okay, he's talking about his burial, his death, and his resurrection. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10 to 12. He says, He will use every kind of evil deception. He, that he that is referring to, it's not God, it's the devil. Just for, just for context. When we read it from verse 1, he's talking about the devil here. He's not talking about God. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. It's like, yo, the devil really don't care about people. He does not love people. So he deceives you on your way. You already deceived, so now he deceives you even more. Okay, so because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Once again, we're coming back to Romans 1, verse 20, suppressing the truth. Okay, you see how it goes back to it as well. So we are still within that. So it's revealing, still revealing an awesome picture. Okay, he's revealing the truth that would save them. So this means that the truth will save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived, meaning that God will allow them. Maybe he mentioned something awesome that even though God is sovereign, he still allows us to make our own choices. So when we are led away by our own desires, God cannot do anything. So he just needs this to play out allow you to do what you want to do because he has no will over your will okay god only has the will over his will but not over your will that is awesome it's also love i mean if if that was if god had control over your will then we all would have been robots or something yeah so so god will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies they call Satan the father of lies. Yeah. Because that is what he is. Then they will be condemned. Okay. For enjoying evil. Rather than believing the truth. So even in their enjoyment of evil. In their lust. In all those things that Romans 1. Verse, verse, uh, after verse 20 talks about. They will be condemned. Because of that. Rather than believing the truth. Yeah. So. Condemnation is a hard thing. And when you're under condemnation, it's hard to enjoy the things of the world. It's hard to enjoy what you are busy doing. Because it keeps you away from life. Yeah. Okay? Then it talks about verse 10 and 11. 
This is the direct link to verse 7 where he talks about where the glory, the honor and peace refers to the eternal life in Jesus. That when we go back to 2 verse 7 where he talks about that eternal life to those who do good. Okay, that do good basically means us who believes on Jesus. Yeah. Okay, so now it's showing us that all this, the glory, the honor and the peace refers to that eternal life. Okay, refers to Jesus. Because Christ in us is what? The hope of glory. We have the fullness of the glory of God because we have received Jesus and He is now in us. The eternal life, we have the eternal life and benefits of the eternal life is having the glory, the honor and the peace. That is, I mean, yeah, we can go on and on and on and on, yeah. So verse 12 and 13 reveals that even though the Gentiles do not know the law, they still fell under the same judgment as the Jews who has the law and are by the law and judged by the law if they don't obey it. It reveals that no one can perfectly keep the law. That is what it shows. What, that is a picture that I got. Like the Gentiles didn't have the law, but in their minds, in their hearts, they obeyed it. Because they were Jews and Gentiles, the Jews were telling the Gentiles, you know what? You don't have the law. We are the people of God. And then they basically told the Gentiles, you are not the people of God. So it's like separation, the discrimination. But the Gentiles saw what the Jews did. And because they saw that what they did through the law, now they followed. And they believed the law in their hearts. Okay? So it means that they were still condemned if they did wrong. So it's either one of two things. If they did the law right, the law would excuse them from the judgment. But if they did it wrong, the law would condemn them and bring judgment. Okay? So Romans 3 verse 20, it says, For by the merit of observing the law, no one earns the status of being declared righteous before God. For it is the law that fully exposes and unmasks the reality of sin. That's in the Passion Translation. So the law brings forth sin. The law brings forth the fact that sin is real. It brings forth the reality of sin. It says that when you are under the law, you have, if I want to say it, you have the substance of sin. Because the law will always point you of how imperfect you are. How you are not doing this, how you are not doing that. The Bible even says that no man can perfectly keep the law. It is impossible. Because if we fail at one, we fail at them all. Okay? And then verse 14 and 15, that even though Gentiles did not have the Torah, the law, obeying the law came naturally to them because it was in them, in their hearts. Okay? It came naturally to them because of what they would be of what they would become condemned or made right in their conscience. Okay? Scripture here says that they are either uh, uh, um, judged or they are excused. Okay? Of that. So, so for when the Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature do the things in the law. These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. So, what it's saying that if you think what is the right thing to do and you don't know Jesus and you are not doing that right thing that you think that you are doing, then it means that you are, be, you are breaking your own law. 
So it means you are placing yourself under the same law. So it's not necessarily for you to know the law of Moses. It, what Paul is talking about here, he's talking about moral code. Yeah. He's talking about your moral, your morals and your values. Because outside of Jesus, you can still have morals and values. But those morals and values are flawed and it's imperfect because you can never ever uphold those morals and values. Okay? It's like for instance, if you tell yourself, I will never ever sell my soul for money. That is a moral code. It's just a law that you live by. And when someone comes and tells you, I will give you 10 million rand right now if you do this and that if you do something bad and you accept it that means that you have broken your own moral code meaning that you have placed you have condemned yourself under that same law okay so it doesn't mean that necessarily you have to be you have to know the bible through and through or have to be a jew it means that whatever you believe is right in your sight that doesn't align with the word of god if you break that then you have broken your own law and then you are condemned by your own law. Okay, so you're, okay, you're either condemned or you are free, freed by your own law. Okay, that is just people's conscience. It's like, it's, it's okay, I work for my geld and all your good things. Not so long as I do this and this and that, I break it. Not so long as I smoke and this and that and all that type of things I understand. So now they do these things and they say, nah, I'm not doing that, so I'm better. I'm not doing that, so I'm this. So what that makes you, it just makes you self-righteous. It doesn't even make you righteous with God. It just proves that your self-righteousness without God. Because you are trying to uphold yourself by your own code. And when you break your own code, then you are judged by your code. Yo, that's, that's hard. So whatever you believe, and you are judged by what you believe, you can even be destroyed by what you believe as well. If it does not align up with the gospel. Okay? So that is, for me, that just stood out, which is so awesome. So, whoso the work of the law is written in their hearts, their moral code, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or excusing them. So, it's their thoughts, because they have this moral code. If they break it, now their hearts condemn them. And when their hearts are condemned, then they are condemned. Okay, then they walk like people that are condemned. They are under judgment. Okay, now it says in verse 16, then it talks about, uh, it talks about in the day, and, and, and this is the same uh, 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 thing, uh, before we go there, um, Acts 24 verse 25, now he has reasoned about righteousness, self-control and judgment to come. Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Now, Felix at that time was the commander that was of the prison that was looking after Paul while he was there. But Felix wasn't a Jew. Felix was a Greek. Felix was married to a Jewish lady. And this Jewish lady had the law. Now, when Paul, he often invited Paul to him to explain to him what Paul believed. And then when Paul was talking about these things like the righteousness, self-control and judgment, Felix was condemned in his heart because he, he, had a, he had every opportunity to accept it. But every time he was condemned, he was confronted by it. He felt offense 
Now he didn't accept it. And then he told Paul, go away. When I need you again to speak to you about this, I will call you. And it happened a lot. It happened a lot. The Bible says even Paul spent two years with him talking about Jesus. And he still relented. He didn't receive him. Until another guy came in that wasn't as lenient as Felix. Because in that time, you can even say that Felix befriended Paul. Okay? So he heard the gospel for, for two years straight. And he just basically did not accept it. Until he was replaced. Okay, the Bible makes no mention of he received Jesus. Yeah. So that means that when he heard these words, when he heard about the righteousness of God, he heard about Jesus, yeah. he heard about the judgment that is to come, the judgment without righteousness, that means that you are falling on the wrong side of the line here. He was moved by it, but he didn't accept it. Okay, so how many, how many of us know people like that? There's a lot of people in the world that doesn't know it. And it's very, very sad. So verse 16 says that all men will be judged through Jesus. Whether they have believed by faith in the finished works or whether they live by the law, they will be judged through Jesus. Paul's gospel is good is the good news of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So Paul says here in verse 16. All men will be judged through Jesus, but they will be judged by my gospel. What is his gospel? He says in the book of Corinthians, I came to you to preach Jesus Christ, yeah. him crucified and nothing else. Yes. So he was speaking. His gospel was the burial, the, uh, um, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. That was Paul's message throughout the book of through the whole Bible, through the whole all his letters. That is what he's talking about. Okay? So, what it says there here is that because Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly, and because he's the only one that could fulfill it, all of us will be judged through him. And how will we be judged? We will only be judged is that did we believe in him that God has sent? Amen. That is the judgment. Obviously, there in the book of Corinthians, it talks about whatever we build and all that kind of stuff but that is for believers that is for the reward that you will receive when we go to God when one day when we stand before God okay so this basically means that through Jesus the world will be judged because he is the only one he is the supreme one he is the one that God gave the authority to judge the world okay uh, Acts 17 and verse 31 and this is where we we land the plane because he has appointed, because he has appointed on a day which he will judge in the world in righteousness. Oh, that's so powerful. By the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this by raising him from the dead. So Paul here in Acts 17 verse 31, he is talking about Jesus. He's talking about God and he's the Father and he's also talking about Jesus. He says because he has appointed on a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man he has ordained. Ordained basically means anointed. So Jesus, when you take, uh, uh, whenever the Bible mentions Jesus in other translations, it means the anointed one. Okay, so he anointed him to judge the world. So the world will be judged through Jesus, whether they have received him or not. And that is the only, that, like that, that, that will be the only question that God will ask us. 
Okay? Accept the other rewards after knowing Jesus. But that is the only... Did you believe in my son? Did you believe in the gospel? Did you believe in the good news? Did you believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? So now he says, by he, he has given assurance of this by raising him from the dead. So the assurance that God has given us that Jesus will judge the world is that he raised him from the dead. So that is the assurance. Jesus is raised from the dead. And now because he has risen and he, and, 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 and he was taken up with God, we have received the spirit. And in that day, in that day, this will be the most remarkable day. We, we will stand before God and the only one question will be asked. Did you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I mean, this is for us as believers. This is an awesome and a powerful tool to take to the world. Okay, so if you know someone that lives in the religion, study this so that you can take this to them yeah. and to tell them that, you know what, it's not by your words, but it is by believing in the one who God has sent. And his name is Jesus. Amen. He died, he was risen, and he was resurrected on your behalf. And that is the same way when we receive Jesus, we die, we are raised. And we, when we die, we are raised and we are resurrected because we have the resurrection power on the inside. It's living on the inside. Come we on. sang a song this morning. Yes. So we need to believe that. And we need to remind ourselves of that. So this is really awesome. I'm looking forward to studying the rest as well. So thank you very much. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.